Welcome to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite, hosted by me, Coach Ben Rosario, featuring the Hoka NAZ Elite athletes, and from time to time, a special guest from the world of running. We talk training and racing, but we also just talk, and we go way deeper than just running. The Midday Treat is your chance to get to know us as people, so follow along and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now, check out this episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. All right, Alice, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, this is a cool time for you because you're getting ready for European Championships Marathon yeah. in Munich, Germany in mm-hmm. August. So we'll talk about that, but we got to first bring everybody up to speed on how you got here, how you got selected for Euros, what yeah. what Euros is, because we have a, a lot of Americans in our audience, they don't know about Euros, yeah. so we need to explain all that. But let's go back to, I mean, gosh, we could go way far back, um, and maybe we should just for a second. Yeah. You didn't race for two years. Yeah. How did it take, I, when I heard that last fall, yeah. I thought, could that actually be true? I know. But it was. So how did that, how did it take two years? So um, it was, uh, I think it was Chicago build-up is when I started having that foot pain. and Chicago... 2019, 19, yeah. 19, yep. And that was going to be that, your debut marathon. Yeah, that was going to be the debut. I thought that was just an easy um, stress fracture, six weeks, and I'd yep. be good. Um, came back, I was still having pain. Long story short, it turned out to be this Freiburg's, which is where like a bone dies in your foot. And it's a more of a genetic thing, so it's kind of like, I didn't really have that much control over it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it just it ended up taking a very long time. Um, naturally, a bone death, probably. So um, b- bone death, bone death, or the blood vessel that like explain Freiburg's a little bit. So I guess the way that they say when they say bone death, what they mean by that is the blood vessels have died in the yeah. in the bone. I didn't even know there were blood vessels in a in a bone, but um, apparently they are. Um, anyway, so they died, and yeah, it just takes a long time for that. And it feels very much back. like a stress fracture. It feels like a stress fracture, and there's a lot of swelling. Um, so I tried lots of different treatments. Um, I did PRP, I did rest, I did insoles, I did ibuprofen, I did all of that stuff, you know, the ibuprofen treatments, all of that. Um, and it just took a long time. Just took time. Yeah, it just took a long time. And I don't know exactly which treatment it was that really kicked it out. I, it could have just been a mixture of all of them. Um, but honestly, there was a point in those two years where I just thought, I'm gonna have to just live with this. Like, this is never gonna go. Yeah. Um, but so you I, talked to other athletes. I spoke to, yeah, there were very few, it's a very rare thing. Yeah. Um, so I spoke to a few other athletes. You know, obviously had great physio support, um, great doctor support. Um, and yeah, I was just really fortunate that I had all of that support with uh, you guys as well. We're obviously so understanding with it all. Um, and I ended up, I think I ended up doing 16 weeks in a boot at one point. And yeah. I'd done seven weeks in a boot, I'd done six weeks in a boot, I'd done so much time in this boot. Um, that yeah, it definitely was not a case of just a simple stress fracture. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful now that it's not something I worry about. Um, it does flare up from time to time, but I know how to kind of treat it now and I know what works for it. And so it's something that I can, um, like, deal with. You know, I've managed to go through a whole build-up now for the marathon and um, it was fine during all of that. So I feel confident about going forward now with, with more marathons, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, and I stopped you here just because I think Obviously, in the audience, majority of runners. Yeah. Different ability levels, but 
everybody's a runner, mm -hmm. probably, listening, most people. Yeah. And I think a couple of things you said are important when you're dealing with an injury. Number one, you, you, you have to rely on the doctors. You know, you, yeah. you, you kept at it until you found somebody that figured this thing out. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And, and uh, it was somebody in New York. It was, yeah. And I, I think that's one thing I really learned from that injury is it's so important to get a second opinion yes. on everything. And yes. I, I should have really remembered that from college. There was a time when I had an MRI and it came back and these doctors told me I needed surgery because I had a torn labrum. Um, and I was, you know, obviously in a panic. I was like, oh, that's massive surgery. Yeah. Um, so we sent it to another doctor and he was like, no, you've, you've, this label tear has been there since you were like seven or eight. Yeah. Um, this is not what's causing the problem. And so yeah. it was, it's really at that point that I realized like how important it is to get those second opinions. And yeah. I'm glad that I did that with the, with the foot injury because um, you know, ultimately I found a treatment that worked for me and I think that it's so important for anyone who's dealing with an injury that's a bit of a like weird one, it definitely gets as many opinions on yep. it as you can. Yep. Um, and you don't want to overwhelm yourself, but it's your body and you've got to, you've got to figure these things out and you yep. have to get the you have to get the expertise necessary to yeah. really diagnose it properly. Without the proper diagnosis, you can make a lot of mistakes. Definitely. If 100%. we if we had thought that was a stress stress fracture, yeah, and we had not figured out what it actually was, mm -hmm. you would have started running too early. Yeah, and I mean, I don't blame anyone who initially no. diagnosed no, no, me no, no. with the stress fracture because it really was presenting itself yeah. as a stress fracture. Um, I was convinced, you know, it's all the symptoms. Um, and so I did, I took the six weeks. I think I ended up taking seven weeks for it just to be careful. And then I couldn't believe it when I came back. I thought, oh my gosh, have I refractured this? Yeah. And that was when I got another MRI and they really looked into it and they were like, this isn't actually a stress fracture. Um, and then later on, the, the last doctor um, from New York, he, he told me that um, it probably initially was just this Freiburg's and there never really was like a break in the bone as such. But it was a, a very random injury, very unfortunate and um, yeah, there was nothing. I think that's the thing with that injury. There wasn't really anything that was that caused it, if that makes sense. It yeah. was just something that was almost like a ticking time bomb that was probably just going to happen at some point. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just so grateful that I'm over yeah. it now and that's behind me. Because... And one more thing that you did that you said a second ago was yeah. once you knew what it was, you found somebody else that had had it. And I yeah. remember mm -hmm. that giving you a lot of confidence because that person had come back. Yeah. And she was doing, she was doing really well on yes. the running. Um, and she was, you know, I'm, I'm not going to like put anyone's name in there, but, um, you know, she was up on her toes running in spikes on yeah. the track. And yeah. with this kind of injury, I couldn't even fathom the thought of doing that. Like yeah. at that time I was like, there's no way that my, my toes ever going to bend in that way to get in a pair of spikes again. Um, so that was a big confidence boost to hear that she'd successfully uh, yeah. overcome that and was running in spikes on the track. Yes. Okay. So let's go now to when did you start running and then what was the next setback so i started running again you know the seven weeks after um after chicago you know when that yeah. build-up kind of happened um and i got right to the steady state it was right you know before that 16 mile steady state of chicago and that's when i had to take the time off and that's it was right. just heartbreaking it was yeah, really right. heartbreaking um, so it was seven weeks after that I'd started training for London. Yeah. Um, because London, because London was going to host, um, an Olympic trial or it was going to be yeah. the de facto mm -hmm. Olympic trials for Great Britain for yeah. the 2020 games that were supposed to take place in the summer yeah. of 2020 mm -hmm. in Tokyo. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we started training for that, and I actually got into really good shape. I remember doing that hill workout in Sedona with Alephine, Steph, and Kellen. Yes. And, you know, that was just a big confidence boost for me, that yeah. one, because I felt really strong up the hills, and... I was just in my groove again, um, but this nagging foot pain was still there and it's just getting a little worse over the, every week. Yep. Um, and ultimately, I think I ended up, you know, going to see Wes or AJ and they were like, yeah, like your foot is, you know, it's swollen, it's so swollen, we have to get another scan on this. And this is when, it was actually the x-ray that showed, um, it's not so much the MRI, I think it was more of the x-ray that shows the, the lack of density in the bone. So it's yeah. kind of like the bone was like dying. So we had to shut it down again. Um, and then I think that was when I did PRP in it. I can't remember. I, I'm pretty sure that was, it was okay. around the Atlanta trials because I remember I got PRP and then went to watch. You were in a boot one. in Atlanta. Yeah. Yes. And I just got it. I think it was like two days before I'd got the PRP and I went to go and watch them in Atlanta after that. Um, so that was in March, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. The very, very end of February, last day of February. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went to watch that and I think I took seven weeks after that. Yeah. Um, tried to get back running, and that's when I paced the St. George race. Yes. Um, and again, training was going pretty well. Like yeah, I was yeah. kind of surprised how quickly I was like coming back each time. Um, but the swelling was just still so bad. That's it was right. awful. And I, you know, PRP, it, that's part of the treatment. Like it does cause swelling because it kind of forces the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the uh healing properties to go to the foot yeah it, it amplifies the natural healing process everything gets sent to that area yeah. yeah um but it was just so swollen in the area and i just had no like range in my foot um so i think i, I wore spikes i think at that st george race um and i kind of convinced myself at that time i was like i think i'm just gonna have to deal with this and like just push through it now from now on yeah uh but it got to the point where it was just i did a solo trip in zion after that and I was just walking around thinking, this is just like, I'm limping at this point. Yeah. So I shut it down again. I think that was when, and I was training again, I think for the London one in October. Yes, so this is the this is the one, because now we're in the thick of the pandemic. Yeah. 2020, and London was gonna have an elites only, professional yeah. only field in October. It was, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I was kind of had that in my mind. I was like, that's the one I'm, I'm targeting yes. now. Like, um, Anyway, then I had to shut it down again, and I think that's when I did the 16 weeks in the boot, yeah. and I was just yeah. like, we're in the pandemic. This is all still the Freiburgs. Yeah. It's all still Freiburgs, yeah. Um, and that's when I was talking to the doctor in New York, and um, he put me on a course of ibuprofen, like the ibuprofen pack, um, and that really helped. I feel like that was a big turning point for me. That was when things really like improved after yes. I'd finished that pack. Um, but I took, I was very conservative and I took a lot of time yeah. to really, because I was like, no one's racing right no. now. I'd be a fool to no. just rush back into yeah. this and feeling like I'd learned my lesson multiple times with this. And then I think I started training for London again. Yeah. There was another London, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, because then there was going to be the, the spring of 21, mm -hmm. right? Or the spring of 21 was going to have... Hold on, not London. It was going to be the Olympic, the specific Olympic trials. Yes. The, yeah. the, so it wasn't London, but it was it was in the UK. There yeah. was going to be, and they did have the Olympic trials. But it was that course that was like a around the botanical yeah. garden or whatever it was. That was it. Yeah. Started training for that one, um, and that was when I got a, a sacral stress fracture. Yes. So. Yeah, I I mean, that was, again, very heartbreaking because I'd finally got kind of got over this Freiburg's. Yeah. But in all honesty, I think the Freiburg's was still um, kind of bugging me a little bit. And I remember I was 
playing around with insoles and whether that was what caused the sleep cross-dress fracture, I don't really know. I know that I had COVID in February. Yep. Because um, this so, is 21 now. Keeping 21. everybody updated on yeah. the timeline. <laughs> so I was uh, messing around with these insoles to try and get my foot into a good place um, to be able to do this build. And I had COVID and I, I do think it was, I'm not going to blame COVID, but I think... I think my body was just weakened a little yeah. bit from the COVID. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have said that about COVID, that they yeah. felt a little bit of, you know, additional muscle, bone, tendon, yeah. ligament, pain. It's almost as if that virus, which kind of just attacks the whole system, yeah. amplifies any sort of issue that you may be facing. Yeah, I complete. I think it just dulls down your like system really yeah. um, just attacks, it attacks everything and it's just a, such a strange one because as we've seen like everyone um you know reacts differently to yeah. it and it affects everyone's body differently i had no respiratory now, no symptoms. surprise you tried to just push right through. i did i did and to be honest with you i called it the post-covid boost because i had one of the best long runs ever yeah. in phoenix um like 10 days after yeah. or it was two weeks i think it was after getting diagnosed with it after you know testing positive with covid so i thought oh like this is nothing yeah um and that probably you know in hindsight i probably shouldn't have forced things as much as i did and maybe been a little more honest with like how tired i was feeling yeah. but i was just so headstrong i was like my foot's finally feeling good you know, this COVID is not going to stop me. Well, and there was that hard date that you were getting ready for. Yeah, there was that hard date. And I, I think it was quite short build-up we had yeah, at that point. Yeah, Because um, that race was going to be early spring. Yeah, and it, I think what was most heartbreaking about that one was I finally kind of started to feel good again. And I did uh, that workout in Camp Verde. And it was, to be honest with you, that was the scariest injury I've ever had. Because, and I've spoken to multiple people who have actually experienced the same where that just happened like that yeah. in the workout. Yeah. It wasn't like I had... You were looking great, having a very good yeah. very good workout. I didn't have any kind of symptoms, no back pain, nothing going into that. So yeah. that just, just happened during that workout was really scary for me. Um, but, you know, a lot of lessons learned. And I think, ultimately, I think that was a good thing for me because it forced me to actually... You know, my foot was still... There were nights where I was having an ice pack on my foot because I was yeah. like, it's still kind of there. And uh, so this kind of ended the foot pain because I went to Carlsbad for um, in California for, I think it was like seven, six weeks, I think yeah. it was. And I went and saw one of the best um, podiatrists in San Diego. Yeah. And he actually molded my foot to like a proper insole. Yeah. Um, and he just told me just wear these insoles for walking around. Like don't run in them. Don't mess up with your normal running form. Just walk around in these insoles. And like this will relieve the pressure from just walking around. Um, and that's ultimately what's got me to the point now where I don't feel it at all. And I think that's what got me kind of back to like the old Alice running that I yeah. kind of wanted. I've been so desperate to get back to for yeah. all those years. So Yeah. So you finally are able to train basically in the fall of 21. Yeah. But at this point, you've had such an on and off couple of years. Yeah. That because you, as you were saying seconds ago, it, it, each time you were coming back pretty quick. Yeah. But this finally was like, okay, this is going to take a while because you're really not fit. Yeah. Which yeah. is fine and expected. But the yeah. fall was, was super gradual. And I guess your first race back was in Greece. It was. Yeah. So I think um, once I got that sacral stress fracture, I was like, this is a, you know, this is a bad injury and there's no point hammering the cross training. And I yeah. think I did that 
all the other times I was so motivated with the cross training. I was on the bike for hours in a day, you know, I was yeah. on the elliptical, I was swimming, I was doing everything. And I just, I think sometimes my fitness was almost ahead of my body when I would yes. come back into running at times. Yeah. And that's maybe what caused my foot to be like, hang on, like, you, you're aerobically, you might be able to do this, but yeah. like, we're not ready for this the yet. The muscles and tendons and ligaments aren't ready because yeah. they've been resting and they're not ready. Is that something now in retrospect that you'll yeah. change moving forward or you would you would advise people to do something differently? Yeah, I think it really depends on the injury. I think if you're out for six weeks, I think go ahead with the cross training and just like hammer it, you know, yeah. try and keep as much fitness as you can. Because I think that's maybe like long enough for your body to be like, oh, hang on, we remember what we were doing yeah. before we like got injured. But I think if, you, if you're dealing with one that's, you know, 10 or 12 weeks, yeah. um, that is, I, I do think you should just take those first two weeks and be like, there's just, there isn't really much point in yeah. trying to like salvage this fitness at yeah. this point. Like you may as well just come back and like let the fitness come naturally. Come back slowly, yeah. Um, and I think that that was, yeah, that was a good thing for me. And it it is really hard, especially if you're someone that like likes to be active. I do like to be active yeah. and like, I don't like to be feeling like I'm just sat around doing yeah. nothing. See, um, that doesn't bother me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it's a, a good time though, for sure, to explore like what your other passions and hobbies yeah. are. Like I found painting and like, I found multiple things that I enjoy outside of running. And so, you know, I hate to say like everything happens to a reason, but maybe there was a reason for that to happen because I think sometimes you get such tunnel vision when you're, when training's going well, you just get so obsessed with the running, I know I do at least, yeah. that it's actually a very unhealthy mindset to have because if, for example, you get an injury then, it just can all come crashing down, yeah. like mentally yeah. and physically. There's no balance. It's just, there's no balance and it's, you just feel like the rug has been ripped underneath from like underneath you, yeah. yeah. When you, I, I think, I think in retrospect, we, 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 we did something right here. When you came back, we didn't put any big races on the schedule. Yeah. I think that helped you mentally. The, the first race in Greece was a great race. They did yeah, a great yeah. job. Wonderful they people did. over there. Yeah. They loved you, yeah. but it wasn't the New York City half. You know, it, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a big world, um, you know, uh, famous race. For sure. And I think sure. that maybe helped mentally. And, and it was kind of a tough course, so time didn't matter either. Yeah. So you really had no, like, there was nothing tangible about it, right? It was very, very fun. I remember I um, was in a hotel, like, the couple of days before, and I was just so excited. Yeah. Like, I was so excited. It, the atmosphere was amazing. They did such a good job of just getting the whole, basically the whole country. It was the Athens really half excited. Yeah, and it was their national championships as well, so I yeah. think it, it was, like, combined. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, everyone was so excited. The city, you could just feel the excitement in the city. Like, everything, yeah. there's signs for everywhere. And, um, yeah, it was just a really, really cool experience. And it was a big confidence boost, and that was what I needed at that time. I didn't need the time, and I didn't need, you know, like, a fast course. I just needed to win a race. Yeah. And I was so fortunate that I could do that at that race. Um, but honestly, it was probably one of the toughest races I've ever yeah. done. Because I think, you know, my fitness wasn't quite there. And um, it was hot and hilly. And yeah, just like those hills just sucked the life out of me. Yeah. Like it was just, there was one that went off about a mile. And it was just straight up here. It wasn't like a nice gradual incline. It was just I do remember. Uphill. I do remember the, the elevation profile not seeming as bad as then. Yeah, yeah. I, I got, I, I mistakenly uh, looked at the elevation profile before I entered it. And I thought, oh, um, I think it was... 
Looks like it's rolling. Well, I read it in feet. That was the problem. I read ah. it as 750 feet of yeah. elevation gain, and it was 750 meters. Meters, okay. Uh, which is just obviously a massive difference. Um, so honestly, if I'd actually like taken my time to look at up. that, I don't think I would have signed up for it at all. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I definitely went in. I didn't know the course. I kind of looked at the map, but I hadn't thought like, oh, it's going to be a big hill. I just thought the elevation was going to be a non-issue. Yeah. And then when I got into it, I just could not believe. I was just yeah. like, surely not. Like, yeah. surely we're not running up that. So, yeah, it was an experience, but it was super fun. And the Greeks, like, they really put on a great, um, great marathon, a half marathon, rather. Because at that time, we were thinking that you would run the Valencia Marathon yeah. December, early December. This yeah. is early December 21. Mm -hmm. So you, you did that. We set up the one-hour run... Yeah. British record attempt yeah. down in Phoenix in October, yeah. which would have been your second race, yeah. even though that was just a, a one one woman affair. But nonetheless, yeah. you were you were racing. Um, then we're getting really close to Valencia. Yeah. Then you had something really weird happen. So strange. I just can't even believe it. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this bought this tea, a liquor, Egyptian licorice tea, which actually should really come with a warning. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started drinking this tea and I remember I, I think I'd got a, um, oh, that was what I remember what happened now. So I was drinking this tea, wasn't really thinking much, but I remember every day I was kind of waking up and I was feeling kind of swollen and I just like couldn't, like just bloated and swollen. I was thinking, this is weird. Like everyone says the body does weird things in a taper. Cause it was at the yeah, taper you're, point you're, at you're, point. you're within two weeks now. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, have my flight and everything. And I took my pre COVID test. I think it was two days out from the flight. Cause you yes. have to do that at that point. Um, and I could not believe it. I tested positive and I tested negative on the rapid ones that I'd done. And then I, I remember I wasn't even going to get a PCR one because I wasn't sure if I needed it, but I was like, I'm just going to cover all bases. I don't want to get to customs and then, then be like, you had to get a PCR and I didn't get it. Yeah. So I, I was feeling confident going into the PCR, but I was still feeling like swollen and bloated. I was just like, this, this doesn't really make sense. I had one workout that did not go to plan, that one yeah. uh, on Lake Mary. Yes. And I just felt so off. And I was like, oh, is this just like nervous energy? Like I really couldn't work out what was going on. Um, so anyway, then I got the PCR done and it came back as positive. I just could not believe that yeah. I was like, there's no way I've got COVID. Like, this is insane. So I was, okay, I'm going to drink more of this tea to try to like, flush <laughs> this out as quickly yeah, as I possibly yeah. can. Maybe I can make Valencia if I fly out later. Um, so yeah, I ended up drinking more of this tea and I ended up getting more and more swollen and bloated. I think I sent Jen a photo. Of, I've seen it. It was so <laughs> bad. I mean, I've shown it to people and they say it doesn't even look like me. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to put that on the, <laughs> on the podcast. But um, yeah, anyway, so um, I just could not work out what was going on. I took seven more COVID tests after that. I think it was three PCRs and four rapids and they all came back negative. Yeah. So I just had this one test. Yeah, you definitely didn't have COVID. But at this point I was like, I can't fly out because my body is so swollen yeah. and I was having the worst stomach issues and just every morning I was drink I was waking up just more and more <laughs> swollen and every evening I was drinking more and more tea to try and like flush out whatever was going on inside of me. And uh, I think I was texting Jen, I was like, I just don't understand what's going on. And Jen was like, it kind of looks like an allergic reaction. And I was thinking, I'm not really allergic to anything. Um, and, she, and then we were trying to like backtrack, you know, what I kind of changed in the last couple of weeks. And I was like, well, I did, you know, I started drinking this Egyptian licorice tea. And the only reason I was honestly drinking this tea was 
I, I mean, initially it was just, it said it was like warm and sweet or something. And I remember it is, uh, if you've ever tried licorice tea, it's so sweet. Okay. And you just think, wow, like this is amazing. Like it does taste really, really good. Um, but anyway, then we found out that this tea was what was causing And it was problem. the licorice root. Yeah, so licorice root, it wasn't that I was allergic to it. It's just that actually licorice is root, is poisonous. So I was poisoning myself. Yes. If you drink too much licorice or consume too much like pure licorice, this isn't just like licorice, like Twizzlers or something. Yeah. This is like the actual herb itself. Yeah. Um, it is poisonous to your body because it builds up. I think it's like this thing called um, glyceric acid, I think it is. I read all about it at the yeah. time. And <laughs> what it does is it strips your body of all potassium. Um, which obviously like a vital yeah, electrolyte. Yeah. Um, and I went to urgent care and they were like, actually, you know, we've actually had someone else this year come in with this exact thing. They were do it, drinking this tea and it caused their body to swell up because no potassium is what, I think it, it was potassium that strips your body off because it forces your body to hold on to all the sodium, yeah. which then holds on to all the water. Yes. Um, so it was, I mean, it was insane. I've never ever experienced anything like that. And I'm just yeah. so glad figured out what it was because yeah. who knows, I could have been to this day, just like a balloon <laughs> drinking more and more of this tea, not knowing what was going on. Um, but anyway, that was unfortunately- So we couldn't do it. I mean, we had no choice. And that was insane. I just couldn't, I honestly, at that point, I thought I am cursed when it comes to the marathon. Yeah. Like this isn't just some bad luck. Like this is yeah. something, someone's trying to tell me something up there. Like it was, it was rough. It was rough. It was but really I remember, rough. I mean, as a coach thinking, okay, the one saving grace for us is there were a few things that I still wanted to work on yeah. that we really didn't have time to work on before Valencia. Yeah. But before Valencia, we had gotten to the point where I was very confident that you were ready for a marathon. Yeah. And strong enough to handle the distance, strong enough yeah. to handle the pace we were looking to do, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. We just hadn't really hit a couple of zones that we just didn't have time for. Yeah. And so as we got ready for, we made the decision then to do Houston because I don't know whether a choice we had really. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the next big marathon yeah. on the schedule. It was six weeks later. Five weeks. Five weeks later was, from from yeah. Valencia, mm -hmm. and um, so yeah, we were able to put in. I guess what you would call maybe some ten k specific workouts. Yeah. Which I think helped your turnover. Yeah. Helped definitely. your confidence, and of course we did a couple more big marathon specific yeah. workouts, and those went really well. And so it all kind of worked out physically. It did. I have to say that. The, especially the first two weeks after Valencia, it was mentally very difficult. And I, I like to pride myself on like the mental strength aspect of things, but the thought of going through like another, I know. another block, like a mini block, um, was just hard in itself, but also, you know, I was going to go back from Valencia to the UK to be with my family for Christmas. They were all so excited. Yeah. So I had to break the news to my family who were really upset about it as well. And I mean, I was distraught about it and I just, you know, Flagstaff was getting colder and colder and colder. Yeah. I do not like that cold, windy, no, it's just not me. Um, <laughs> so the thought of having to like do, you know, all of these marathon workouts, these 20 mile long runs, these 24 mile with the push, that again, another steady state, which I mm. literally said to you after we did that one before Valencia, I said, I don't want to do that again for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. And the thought that I had to actually mentally come around to do that again was um, one of the things I'm most proud of, I think, because yeah. I could have fallen off the edge at that point, just yeah. being like, I just can't. Well, do that this. was that was the thinking on my part was that because we I had been through this once before with Kellen, yeah, when she had to drop out of Boston and then we did Grandma's. Oh, okay. Sixty days later or whatever, it was that yeah. same idea of look, we can't just repeat the same workouts. Yeah, it's not good mentally or physically. Yeah, yeah. And so throwing in some of those workouts that we hadn't been able to do was 
of course, physically beneficial, but I think mentally too, yeah. because it was a different challenge. Yeah. And I thought another good thing we did was, you know, there was that inclination on your part. Well, I want to do that Scottsdale half marathon. I was like, yeah, you just need to. I mean, yeah, you know, those first couple of weeks we didn't do that much, really. Yeah, no, I went to San Diego, and to be yeah. honestly, I just like mentally had to like reset for yeah. a week and yeah. get over the licorice thing. That's right. Um, and I think that was good. That was def that was just so. Neat. If I hadn't have done that, I think it would have just been so hard for me to have yeah. just rallied for that. Yeah these last five weeks. Um, but in my mind, I just broke it up. I was like, all right, I've just got basically two weeks and then a taper, yeah. I think it was. That's how I was kind of like seeing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was tough, especially like the Christmas time. I was so fortunate that Julia was in town and we went to Phoenix and just yeah. made the best of it. Like yeah. we were both here, both training for Houston. And it was just really nice to have someone to train with during That's that right. time, like especially on Christmas day as well. Like, yeah. you know, that was, yeah, that was special. That's good. That's good. So the race goes off. I mean, hopefully a lot of our fans know what happened and, and know the know the story, but but we'll, quickly we'll go through it. So, yeah. I mean, it's a big day. I yeah. mean, finally, look, this is why we went through all this. This is a big deal for you because yeah. you had so many times being, you know, so many times you had started these segments and not been able to finish. So I remember the week of oh, you feeling very nervous and antsy until about maybe maybe when we finally left. So well, what was that about? Like, take us through the mental yeah. anxiety and then sort of coming to peace with it. So COVID had kind of come back from the dead at that point. Like right. Omicron was surging That's and right. everyone and their wives were getting COVID again. Like everyone I was around was like, oh, we just found out they got COVID. And <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, I think I just locked myself in my apartment and yeah. like just did nothing. Like, but That's I right. still somehow, somehow managed to get a cold during right. that, I do those 10 that. days yeah. leading up. We don't sign us infection, whatever. And I just, was, I just was like, this is COVID a hundred percent. Like yeah. I've got a cold. I didn't have the, so when I first had COVID, I had no respiratory system, um, issues, yeah. but this time it was just purely like nasal. Yeah. Um, so in, in that regard, I was thinking maybe it isn't COVID, but you know, the negative side of me was like, it's definitely COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, got the COVID test. It wasn't that. And it, I think it was the sinus infection. Yeah. And you definitely can be very calm during that period because I remember just panicking, thinking, yeah, yeah. this is just another sign from God that I'm not supposed to do a marathon. Yeah. Um, but I got over that pretty quickly, but then I was left with this flipping lingering ear infection yes. that was throwing off my balance, honestly. I was starting these runs and I was veering to the side. Yeah. I was just thinking, I just wanted everything to be perfect because I was like, it's finally here. I just want everything to go smoothly. Yeah. And then we were looking at the weather for Houston and it was... I mean, let's not deny it was cold and it was windy. Yeah. And I was just thinking, oh, like, yeah. no, like, yeah. just no. <laughs> yeah. So that, I think that all added up to the nerves. Like, it wasn't this perfect day that I'd, ha like, envisioned. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just remember getting there and I honestly, it was just refreshing the weather every second. I was like, maybe the wind's just suddenly going to die. <laughs> but it just kind of kept adding up a little bit more. Um, and I remember standing on the start line or like right before the start line and the announcer was saying, it's a cold and windy day here in Houston. <laughs> all I could think of in my mind was like, let's just get this over and done with and I can get to Hawaii. Like I just, I was just, I honestly was kind of over it on the start line. I was yeah. just like, I'm just going to do my best, like whatever. Yeah. And then, Maybe that was good though. I think it was good because I think if I had been too anal about like pacing and stuff at the beginning, I think we went through that first mile slow I think it was like a 5.53 I think if I'd been too like antsed up for the race like this is my day this is gonna be it yeah 
I think I would have panicked a little yeah. more at that point, but I was just like, oh, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. And it, honestly, it was only at like mile seven that I really thought, actually, I might have this. Like, yeah. I actually feel pretty good. Yeah. Like, it's kind of shocking. So I, I hate to say it, but I think that like kind of pessimism for the first seven miles probably paid off pretty well for me. I'm not saying that would work for everyone. I think everyone is, some people love to be super excited for races, but I think... For me to just be kind of like dull and a little like over it for mm -hmm. the first like mm -hmm. quarter of it, I think was good because I just kind of turned off and I was like, I'm just going to do what, you know, yeah. whatever. I'll just try my best at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than like expecting too much out of myself at that point. So, um, and, and yeah. I'm backtracking one second. I do remember, I just had to say this the fans were awesome with the ear infection. Because we put, oh, yeah, we they put, we put that on the Facebook fan page, yeah. on the NAZ Elite Facebook fan page. Hey, does anybody have a, you know, basically a, a, a you know, homeopathic or, yeah. or you know, kind of uh -huh. old wives' tale kind of kind of remedy yeah. for for an ear infection because you didn't want to take any antibiotics. Yeah. And so we got some good suggestions. Yeah, and a lot of the uh, ear like remedies that are you know prescribed are like the Sudafed ones, which you can't take. In yes, that's right. So that's right. I was really at a loss, and we got some really good suggestions. That garlic oil, that was a really helpful yeah. one for me. Um, I mean, I feel like I maybe even did that. I was just like pouring it in at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was everyone was great and like really supportive with that. So I definitely have to thank <laughs> whoever it was that suggested that. Out there. <laughs> so that was good. So now you're in mile seven. You're starting to pick up the momentum. Yeah. The Houston course is very flat. Um, we had talked about you know, being excited about getting to 18 yeah. because that's when you were going to turn back the other direction and actually hopefully have a bit of a helping wind yeah. after after a long period of, of a bit of a hurting wind. Although, to be fair, it was not as bad. I didn't feel like yeah. as maybe the predictions. I think start line Alice was like, I'm just going to get blasted by this wind yeah. for like nine miles. Um, but I was so fortunate that Ray, honestly, he did This is Ray Langless, job. our yeah. wonderful intern. The legend Ray. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, yeah, he, he really did such a good job of helping to block the wind. Um, and I just had a great crew. Like, yeah, there was, was a group. A, there was a good group of us and we were all running at, I felt like, the right pace for us. Yeah. Um, and then... I mean, yeah, we were supposed to hit the wind. I think it was from 9 to, like, 18, I yep, think it was. Yep. And I think that it was a really good way to, like, break it down because for those first kind of, you know, I got to mile 7 and I was kind of thinking, actually, like, kind of want to crank the pace down a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of feeling good. I remember saying to Ray, I was like, yeah, let's, like, pick it up a bit. <laughs> and I think Ray was like, oh, hang on, I was not even halfway. That's not like, what I was told. Yeah, not what I was told. <laughs> so he, he actually did a really good job of kind of picking it up by, like, a little bit and then, like, kind of not, you know, keeping it chill. Um... And so yeah, I remember like there was maybe four of us girls and we were kind of all slotted in behind these guys that were yeah, just yeah. in front of us. And um, yeah, I I think it was really, it was broken up really well because I think everyone was kind of dreading nine to 18. And then when we got into it, it just really wasn't as bad, I think, as we were expecting, whether that was from having the guys in front of us or it was, there were some pockets where it was kind of like, all right, like you can definitely feel the wind. Yeah. If I like nipped out, I was like, oh, I can feel it like blasting me. Um, but I think everyone was just kind of seeing it as like, this is an 18 mile race where we just got to get to mile 18 and yes. the wind's going to blow you home. It, yeah. Which actually was a little depressing when I got to mile 18. I was like, all right. And then <laughs> it was like, there was just nothing. There was yeah. no wind or anything. It was just heavy legs and like exhaustion. I was just thinking, crap, like, 
And I think I also slightly had it in my mind, like before the marathon, everyone was like, oh, the marathon, it's, you know, it's a 20 mile and then it's a six, it's a six mile race. Yeah. Like when you yeah. get to mile 20, that's when it really kicks in and like, they weren't wrong. I, I don't know whether it was slightly like I was expecting that, if that makes sense. Like I had it in my mind that when you get to mile 20, that's when it gets tough. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember getting to mile 20 and thinking like, crap, like I'm going to be lucky to finish this. Like, yeah. Oh, this is, you know, these last six miles are going to hurt. And well, and that was yeah. also when, you know, Ray was done at that point. Yeah. The pack had broken up at that point. They'd gone at Maggie like Montoya, uh, one of the other women in your group, because yeah. a couple of the other women had fallen off, but Maggie had actually gone ahead. Yeah. So you were kind of solo. And I remember um, you saying to me, I think it was a mile 18, you're like, you're, you're in fifth. And I was thinking, whoa, like, all right, I'm in fifth. Like, that's be nice to be top five. Like, yes. all right, I'll take that. Then Maggie went off and I just thought I was suicide mode for me. If I went off at that, like I just wouldn't make it to the finish. So I'm like lucky where I am right now, yeah. you know? Um, so I just held strong at that. And I, honestly, I was just feeling worse and worse with every mile. And it was tough because so many of the supporters were screaming at me like, you can catch her. And I was thinking in my mind, I was thinking, are you saying that to the girl that's behind me as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but also I was like, no, no, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm not going to do a thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped with where I am right now. And like, I can't go any faster. And if I even tried, like, I just don't know where, like, what would happen. And then I think I got to mile 23 and foam was coming out of my mouth at that yeah. point. I was just thinking, where is that finish line? This is like insane. I've never gone to this point before and I was gonna, still going to run another 5K. Like, yeah. it's just nuts. But the crowd was massive at that point. You know, there were so many people lining the streets. And I remember seeing you on the bike as well and you were screaming at me like, come on, you can, you can break 229 if you really put your foot on it and like you can catch, you can get, um, you're like, you can get third. Yeah. And no, you can get fourth. I, I can't remember what you well, were you saying. Kept, you, kept, you, kept, you kept moving up because you passed two, well, you passed an athlete that was falling off. Yeah. Then you passed another athlete that was falling off and all of a sudden you were in third, which I think surprised you maybe. Yeah, I think you said to me, you can get third. And I think at that point, I I thought in my mind, because I was so delirious at that point, yeah. I, thought, I think you mean fourth, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I, I passed an athlete, and I thought, oh my god, I'm in third now. Yeah. This is like, nice. Like, yes. yeah, it's sweet. This is awesome. Um, and then I look ahead of me, and I could just see Maggie just coming back to me ever so slightly, but I thought, ah, she's solid, like 600 meters away. Like, yeah. there's no way that I could possibly catch her. I just want to make it to the finish line. Like, yeah. that's all, that's my goal right now. I don't, yeah. you know, I just need to make it to the end. And uh, I really didn't, you know, obviously you are always trying to like catch the version in front, but I was just in such a desperate position at that point. I was in a whole world of pain, foam pouring out my mouth. And I was just thinking, I just need to get to the finish line. Like none of this, let's try and chase whoever. Like I yeah. just need to get to the line. Um, but then, yeah, Maggie was just kind of coming back to me just a little bit more every, yeah. kind of every step I was taking. Yeah. and. Yeah. It was really only in the last, honestly, it was the last, like, 150 meters that I thought, crap, like, she is right there. Like, <laughs> yeah. I actually can get second here. Yeah. And that was when I just was like, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, <laughs> we're just going to get to the line. Like, yeah, it was insane. Yeah. And you get second right at the line. Yeah. 229.08. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, great first marathon. Huge. I mean, everything that you, yeah. we, could, we could have wanted on the yeah. day. Uh, great feeling. And then we have to figure out what's next. Yeah. And so, of course, uh, 229.30 had been floating out there as a time we needed to hit because that yeah. was the world championship mm -hmm. standard. But we knew that 
this summer was unique because there was a World Championships, yeah. there was a Commonwealth Games, mm -hmm. and there was a European Championships, all of which have marathons. Yeah. And so there's three different teams to make. So what was, uh, particularly for the American fans, although probably for the UK fans too, yeah. how does it all work with the selection process and how did you end up on the European Championships team? So um, the Commonwealth Games is kind of separate to Europeans and the World Championships right. because World Championships and Europeans are for Great Britain. So you're wearing, you know, the Great British flag, whereas the Commonwealth Games is uh, Great Britain split up to um, Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales. It's like that line in Ted Lasso where he says, now, wait a minute, how many countries are in this country? Yeah, <laughs> it's very confusing. I was actually just sending a, some mail home today, and I always think at the end, do I put England or United <laughs> Kingdom on this? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I, I guess you could see it as like states, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then there's obviously Ireland as well, but it's Northern Ireland and then Ireland, yes. but Northern Ireland's Ireland's on its own. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not uh, sounding patronizing saying that. But um, anyway, so initially I wanted to do the World Championships because let's be honest, that's the biggest one out of the three. Um, and it's in Eugene and, you know, I have so many good NCAA memories from there that I just like just gravitated towards wanting to do world championships, even though I knew, you know, I'd run 229, but I'd be up against girls that have run 219, mm -hmm. what, whatever. Um, so it was kind of like, I don't want to say I want to go for the experience because you should never really think of championships like that. But it, at that point it was kind of like, you know, I've done one marathon. I can't go into these world championships thinking I want to get top three. Like, obviously you want to get top three, but you can't really expect that. It would yeah. just be very unrealistic to think that. But I wanted to go for the experience. Um, and I was, I think I was second at that point. At one point you were you were in the top three. Yeah. yeah. By time. By, by time. descending order list. Yeah. Um, and that's how they were picking the marathon team was from time. Um, or I think actually Charlotte Purdue had got it from London maybe. I'm not really sure actually. Yeah. I hadn't really followed. Because to be honest, I really didn't think that I would have any shot of going to the World yeah. Championships. Um, anyway, I, so I got the, because the World Championship time is 20, 2.29.30, and um, the Commonwealth time, I think, was 2.34, uh, or maybe 2.36. It, like, it, it was know. a lot slower, yeah. It was a lot slower, and then the European time, I think, was 2.32. Um, so I was delighted to get, you know, kind of all three of them. Um, so once... I, Seville Marathon happened, and I think two girls ran faster than me, and they got the, the slots. And yeah. I'm definitely not going to be a bit of Betty about that and be yeah. like, I should go. You know, they they ran faster than me, they're going. That's how it works, um, and I respect that. But then I, you know, then I was in this position of Commonwealth Games or the Europeans, and Europeans is, you know, uh, you're running for Great Britain, which is kind of a bigger deal than running for England. But then the Commonwealth Games, it's like that only happens... Every four years. Yes. And um, it was in England. And it was in England, which right. it meant be a lot to my family. Yeah. Even when I was there last year, they were kind of already gearing up, like Birmingham Commonwealth Games. Um, anyway, I met with one of the selectors actually in Flagstaff. He was out here for a couple of days to, to visit some athletes. And uh, he told me they're only picking one person for the Commonwealth Games um, for Team England. And they were doing a trials uh, in Manchester a couple of weeks later. And um, one of the girls ran four seconds faster than me at that trials. I was just thinking, oh my goodness. She actually ended up taking the European sport because she wanted to run for Great Britain and didn't yeah. want to 
she felt like that was a bigger deal. I think, I actually can't really speak for her, but she ended up choosing the European spot. So I think they gave it to the next one. Um, from that race. From that race. Okay. And then I was selected for Europeans and they said they're going to pick the rest of the Commonwealth team if they have any extra spots. Um, I think today, actually, is it June? Oh, maybe it's like next week. Um, but anyway, now I've kind of, you know, just decided Europeans is the yeah. one. We've kind of got some, um, like, travel plans in place for that. And um, that was just at a better time for me as well in, yeah. in the middle of August. Um, and I think it's going to be a flat course. And I don't think Birmingham is. And I think, you know, I work better with the flat ones right now. Uh, or I'm more excited to run a flat course than I am about running a hilly one. So it all kind of worked out in the end. Yes. And uh you know, hopefully next time I can I can go to the World Championships or the Olympics. Yes. Um, that's obviously the, the goal, but I think the Europeans is a really good stepping stone for that. And I think I can see this championship more now as I want to do really well at this championship yeah. and place well, rather than I'm just going to go for an experience. Because I hate going to races thinking, oh, like, it's just going to be a bit of fun as an experience. Like, to me, that's not like a racing mindset. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think you have to be realistic with it as well, as much as I'd love to use the World Championships and be like, I want to get top three. I think that that would be an extremely ambitious thing to think, you know? Yeah. Uh, but Europeans, like, I think there's a legitimate, um, you know, uh, a legitimate like hope that I could get in, these, sure. in, in that medal position. And tell everybody where you're at right now in training. So we're yeah. we're a couple months out from the race. You've begun to dip into a little bit longer work, but we're kind of starting off with yeah. some shorter stuff, tempos, fart licks, everything's going well. Yeah, I think, you know, these midweek workouts are, um, you know, the, the shorter kind of stuff. And then the long, you know, I'm putting the long runs in there. So I feel like I'm kind of hitting both bases, um, doing quite a few fart licks. Uh, which I think I love Farlux. One day I think I'd love to do like a whole marathon build just off Farlux <laughs> because I, I love going off effort um, and kind of taking, not being, you know, too attached to specific paces and just kind of going with how your body feels on, the, on that day. Um, and naturally I like to push things and so I feel like Farlux are actually uh, very valuable to me. Um, but yeah, I think one thing for me is that I'm not typically a high high mileage uh, marathon runner um, which has been really cool for me to see because I think before Houston I was I remember saying on one of the group runs I was like I don't know like workouts have been going well but like you know I haven't been doing these workouts off running these 100 mile weeks like I've been doing them off the 70s and the 80s and um, you know I was very nervous going into Houston like have I run enough Yeah. Um, and I think that proved to me that I can I don't want to say get away with running a little less, but um, I think that I can at least, you know, run a decent marathon off not running as much. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to get to 90 or 100 um, at some point in my in my career, but I um, right now I'm just appreciating being healthy and being able to run a marathon off 80 miles a week, and that's something that um, I'm proud of, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for folks listening too, is that yeah. there's different ways to get to where you need to be yeah and you have to mm -hmm. take your own injury history training history yeah. physiology all these things come into yeah. play when you're deciding 
volume yeah and overall volume and with your history as as was well documented in this podcast yeah we had to be careful and we still have yeah. to be careful and and it's more important to be healthy yeah than it is to have some magic number in terms of your volume and certainly we've seen that it's the key sessions yeah. that really prepare you for the marathon and the way you were describing this is another good thing for the for the listeners yeah the way you were describing the last few miles of the marathon that's how it should feel yeah it should be hard but the, the, the crazy thing is it was getting harder and harder but you were still hitting the exact same miles which is crazy to me I really yeah. don't understand how that even happened um, but no I, I definitely think it's important for people to realize that you don't have to be running I mean, some people maybe do, but like you don't have to run these crazy 130 mile weeks to run a marathon. Like you can run a good marathon of 70 to 80 miles a week if that's how your body works. And like, it, I do think it's just more important to get to that start line healthy. What's the saying? Like I'd rather be 99% trained than 101% trained. Um, yeah. And hurt. And yeah. hurt. So um, yeah, I'm I'm very grateful that my body could pull it out of the bag. And uh <laughs> You know, I, I don't, I, I think I've realized to myself as well that I, I'm not, right now, I'm not typically a high mileage runner. Um, and that's just where my body's at. And that's something that I respect and like appreciate. So, Well, Alice, this has been very fun. Yeah. We've caught everybody up on your last couple of years. Yeah. We hopefully have gotten everybody excited about you running Europeans. We'll try to do our best over the next two months to share some of your your uh, work and and um, lots of pics and videos and yeah. get people excited and then you'll be in Munich in August and yes. uh, we'll be there documenting it and of course we'll you know keep everybody up to speed on how they can follow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. I'm Addison Rosario coach Ben's daughter. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NAZ underscore Elite. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter on NAZElite.com and stay tuned for the next episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite.